Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hello, and welcome to our episode on the Family Circus. Today, we are pairing our wine, Petite Petite, by Michael David Winery. It's a 2015. Mm, It's going to be so yummy. I can't wait. Comes out of Lodi, California. And the reason that we have chosen this wine to pair with this topic is because the label has basically like a Barnum and Bailey circus on it. Yes. And there's two elephants. They're drinking wine. They look like they're they're chewing gumballs. I love gumballs. There's a lot of weird... Oh, oh my God. Look at the Easter egg in here. It's the Seven Deadly Zins. Ah, that's hilarious. So Michael David Winery makes a lot of different wines. Ooh. You could stare at the label forever and I'm sure find a bunch of stuff. It's like a Where's Waldo. Like it's... We could definitely have some fun with this. Or like if you had two of them and it was like, what's different about these two pictures? Yeah, exactly. And then on the back, there is... (laughs) Petite, petite, there's two elephants, and then it says petite, petite on their rear ends. <laughs> Which I think just looks like they're like <laughs> thugs with like broad shoulders. Doesn't yeah. it? Do you see that? They're just like muscly man. I'm going to pop this open. Yeah. But do let's it. talk about the fact that it's petite, petite, but spelled two different ways. Why is that? Petite, P E T I T E, petite, P E T I T. Yes. And yeah. that describes the two different grapes Great. that are used in this wine. So this wine is a blend of 85% Petite Syrah and 15% Petite Verdot. So Petite Syrah is spelled with an E and Petite, yeah. Yeah. Petite Verdot is spelled without an E. Do you have an aerator? Oh. So it's recommended that you aerate this wine. <laughs> that you decant it for about two to four hours. Yes, sorry. Decant it for two to four hours. So, Which means just sit in an open container, basically. For two I do to have four a decanter, hours. but we don't have two to four hours. We so don't we have, have time for that wine. shit. No. Do you want me to? I, I can get an aerator. Okay. We can do that. Okay. If you get an aerator, that would be fantastic. Cheap for dough. Um, as Sarah said, by Michael David Winery. And they have quite a history in the winemaking business. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah lost her core. <laughs> Technical difficulties. So, so Michael and David are actually siblings. Uh, they're brothers, and they, I think we read our fifth generation winemakers. So, anyway. Yeah, I'm going to pour us some glasses. Yeah, I'm excited for that. The family has been going back for quite a while and making wine, and so... I'm sure they have some stories. I'm sure they have some stories. Family circus. I'm sure everyone's family is just... A circus. uh, A little more about the wine. It was actually rated the number two wine of the year in 2015 by Wine Enthusiast. Is that right? Yes. This obviously has some sort of reputation for being excellent wine and i know petite verdot and petite syrah two pretty big big grapes um well which is funny because um you know you've got these two big elephants on the label and but it's called petite petite (laughs) oh the irony (laughs) the irony indeed so the description here from the tasting notes 
suggests that this is a rich and weighty. The Petite Syrah's robust tannins rounded out by the softer, lush mouthfeel of Petite Verdot. That just sounds lovely. Mm, I'm getting, it's, it's kind of a smoky. It's Not a little smoky, much. but that's a really nice color. It's very inky, very... Uh... Hey, cheers me, bitch. Oh, cheers, bitch. I already passed you the wine. We got cheers. <laughs> Yeah. It's definitely high and on the I, tannin side, I but... I could see why you would decant it. Yeah, for sure. But actually, I'd say that everything else about it... So maybe the tannins are a little bitey at this point, so we it'll probably soften a little bit as we drink. Yeah. But everything else in the mouth is very smooth. It is very smooth. Right? I'm actually very surprised because it feels like two separate feelings going on at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Um... Yeah, no, and it's got it does have like that lush mouthfeel. And it kind of ends it rounds out with those tannins at the end, I feel. Um you, I can taste that it's high alcohol. It's 14.5% alcohol sure. by volume. Yeah, so and I can kind of I can kind of tell. Um it feels like it, it it's a little hotter than other wines, for sure. Why don't you remind our listeners what hot wine means? Well, I mean hot wine is like one of those terms that's used as if you can really feel the alcohol in the back of your throat. And one thing that I actually just learned in, in a new book I've been reading is that like when you blind taste something, if you actually start to, if you can, depending on where in your mouth or your throat you feel the alcohol, that'll help you get a better gauge of whether this is a high alcohol content or if it's it's lower. And on this, I'm actually feeling it hit like at the bottom of my throat, like the bottom of my... Really? Yeah. And so I feel like that would, for me, imply that it's... I don't feel all the way down, so it's not going to be one of those 15, 16s, if you will. We've had some 16s together. But that was something that I never put two and two together. And I think I that, that, know that I am now going to try to blind taste something in the future. But okay. anyway. Yeah. Uh, aged... 13 months in French oak, and I can get that. I was going to say, that's probably where you get your spices. And I can get the vanilla. A little bit. I can get the smokiness. I think it's a little... That's underlying for sure. That's definitely not overly prominent. No, but I think that's what makes it well-balanced. It's not overly Ooh. prominent. It's You can get the uh, the fruit, but also you get those those notes of vanilla. and. I just got some really nice blueberry. Pepper. Oh, blueberry? Yes, I definitely did. I have blueberries growing in my backyard, everybody. It's amazing. I can't wait to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> we should grow boysenberries so we know what they taste like. And gooseberries, whatever the yeah. fuck those are. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the two the two grape varietals. Sure. I really like Petite Syrah. I feel like we've been talking about this a little bit. And Petite Syrah is the love child, if you will, of our Syrah, which we I know we've talked about before. And then um, Pelourcent, which is a French grape, but it's one of those grapes that is kind of like becoming extinct now right oh yeah Yeah. there's just a few places in the french alps yeah so it's kind of amazing that there's still anything that exists of the heritage of petite syrah but i think that's pretty cool yeah and so syrah for everybody out there is also you may also hear it as shiraz ah yes yeah so it's just like the french you gotta say it with shiraz with the nasal i can't say it it sounds. I can't say it the Australian way. I, I just know. can't do it. I know. I can't. Shiraz. Nah. Like a raspberry. Nah. Shiraz. That sounds like way classy. I agree. <laughs> Shiraz. <laughs> <laughs> so would they call it? No, they wouldn't call it petite Shiraz because 
the way Sarah spelled in Petite Sarah is actually spelled differently French, than it will. It's yeah. an S I R A H. But yeah, and it's not a small. It doesn't mean no. like a smaller version mm. of the regular Siraj. Siraj. Sir, You're Sarah combining it. Or Shiraz. Shiraz. <laughs> it's actually a different. <laughs> I do think that the grapes are slightly smaller, though, when um, they come out. I think so. But one of the best parts about Petite Syrah, in my humble opinion, uh-huh. is that Petite Syrah has one of the highest antioxidant levels of red wines. Does that mean we're healthy? Um, it totally means that we're healthy. So um, if anybody ever tells you to stop drinking wine, you just say, but I'm drinking Petite Syrah mm-hmm. for my health. Okay? I got Girls got to get her antioxidants. Yeah. Prevent cancer. Fuck yeah. Heart disease. Yes. I need some of that. And get this luscious flavor. Pump it. Pump it in my veins. <laughs> Pump it. Pump it up. Pump it up. So, yeah. And then, and actually, I think the antioxidant level, it's due to... I think it's something to do with like the tannins and like the skins and stuff. Because there are other red wines. It probably has a high level of resveratrol. What's that? That is the uh, antioxidant. It's one of the compounds, substances in red wine that has been shown to um, have cardiac benefit. Push up your glasses, like. This is like nerd moment extraordinaire. I, I'm like that. I actually you actually wait, thought you were wearing I'm not your glasses. Wearing glasses right now. No, she's not. I am. I just pushed up my glasses for her because but, I felt that was a, a very appropriate uh, yeah wine nerd moment. But I loved it. How do you say it? Resveratrol. Resver resveratrol. Yeah. Do you know I've seen that word, but I never know knew how to say it. I want to say resveratrol. That's obviously not right. I mean, you could say that if you want. I just said stuck like an idiot. Shiraz. What? What? I don't even know what. I just made up my own word. Oh, um, that's gonna be the wine you're growing in your backyard too. <laughs> so a little bit about the history of Petit mm-hmm. Syrah. It was actually created by a botanist. A botanist, <laughs> which basically means a plant man. Sure. Yeah. Um, his name was Francois de Reef. Um, in France. It all makes sense then. Yeah. 1880. Mm -hmm. Um, So the grape is, like you said, a cross between the Syrah and the Pelorsin. Um, And then it was imported to America by Charles McIver. It kind of sounds like MacGyver. (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) There's like a current TV show about MacGyver. Really? Yes. I remember my parents used to watch it. It was imported in the mid-1880s by MacGyver. MacGyver, whatever. Um, and then it got its new name, Petite Syrah. Okay, so... so yeah, but it's, 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 it's supposed to actually age in a warm climate. Like it does well in a warm climate? Yes. Nice. Um, well, I feel like that that would ripen the grapes pretty well. And because of the higher alcohol content, again, we're going to find that the grapes are going to get riper, which means that there's going to be more sugars, mm-hmm. which means that when they go through the actual um, maceration process and fermenting process, that it there's so much more sugar to get rid of mm-hmm. that it continues to ferment and produce more alcohol as it gets rid of the sugars. Oh, nice. Which is fantastic for me because I don't like sweet wine. So check that shit and out. And then it gets more balanced. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, it's lovely, actually. And so the other thing too, this is from Lodi, right? Yeah. And so Lodi is an inland valley region of Mm -hmm. California. (laughs) My computer's okay. I can use a little wine. Yeah. 
the other thing, so some of the common common um, characteristics about Petite Syrah, um, aromas of blackberry jam, brambles, what the fuck is that? Um, black pepper, <laughs> along with notes of vanilla from oak aging, which is exactly what you just said before. I mean, yeah. we definitely picked up on that with the way that Michael David Winery made this. Mm-hmm. It's rich on the palate, uh, bold tannins, and there's berry-like flavors. I feel like all of that is, this to me, uh, represents it like a true like Lodi, like Petite Syrah then. Yeah. But what is the pe- Petite Verdot like doing in this? I mean, aside from having a cute label and, you know, being like Yeah, so they usually, kitschy. Petite Verdot is usually a good blending grape. You okay. don't really see many pe- Petite Verdots on, on their own. Where would we often um, find it? In Bordeaux, most of the time. Oh, in like Bordeaux blends? Yes. Okay. It originates in uh, southwestern France, and mm. it is highly desired as a red Bordeaux grape because it has, you get a, you get good color from Petite Verdot, mm. and that's why it's a good mixing grape, and you get good tannin. Um, oh. Yeah, but it's, it's such a bold wine. It's usually only 10% or less. Included in a bottle. Interesting. Yeah. And because it's, we I think it would be, and petite. I actually have never tried it. I've never seen a Petite Verdot. I know that own. I have, but I don't know that I've ever yeah. um, been bold enough to buy one. And it's, the translation is close to little green one. Oh, It's like a little green grape. I was just going to say but you should go not. call your plants Petite Verdot. Maybe they'll but turn it, into it, beautiful it, red grapes. It ripens late. <laughs> What it meant is that in Bordeaux, the grapes were not quite ready. They were a little green when they had to pick for harvest because usually it's a late ripening grape. So they only would use it in small amounts, like 1% to 2%. Wow. Yeah. Wait, and so this Petit Verdot can tend to have a slightly herbaceous note. I'm seeing violet and sage, and I feel like... I feel like now you need to grow sage, but... Uh, oh, I do. Like, you feel like there is, like, a little bit of a floral thing, but I don't know. Uh, to me, I have a I hard time... I don't get floral. I have a hard time distinguishing no. between that. I think it's... I get the... I get the... Very, like, I get very. a little... Clove, maybe? Like, yeah, it's going to be from your... It's 13 months aged in oak, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know... Oh, this... Um, I mean, this is definitely good. Oh, we already like report. I'm not sure if you guys heard that. <laughs> oh yeah, but we already report the glass. Um, so what's the difference between a petite Syrah and a Syrah? We kind of already talked about like the name and everything like that. I mean, there's but... still both of them are really bold red wines. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have a lot of tannins. I think that the petite Syrah is gonna have a slightly softer tannin than the the actual Syrah itself. Um, but now that I think about it, because the Syrah has a bigger, bolder, um, I'm sorry, not bolder, but bigger grape itself. Yeah. So the Petite Syrah is actually, it is a smaller berry. Yeah. And so there's a higher skin to pulp ratio. So right. you're going to get more tannins and In the a little more Syrah. richness. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Either way, they're delicious. And I feel like it will tend because of those tannins it will age a little bit better because tannins tend to soften mm-hmm. as wines age and create more complex layered wines yeah there's some that can age like 10 to 20 years yeah one day i'll let a wine sit that long right now though not really unless i buy it that way 
Why would our listeners get a petite straw? What kind of foods do you think you'd want to pair this with? Oh, God. Well, with the tannins, like, there's no doubt in my mind that you would go for, like, creamier cheeses, fattier foods. And I know that we've talked about this before, too, but when you have a wine that has high tannins, uh, that is effectively... The tannins are what like kind of like dries out your mouth and just like yeah. erases what's on your palate, right? So as you're eating these fattier foods, with every bite you take a sip and it sort of cleanses the palate, if mm-hmm. you will. I think it prepares it's a you for another it's bite. A good yeah, yeah. And even with the fruit pairing, it's not you know it's like it's there, it's present. But I think that this would this would pair well with the you know I'd say like more meats. Yeah, like meats for I sure. I could see like some charcuterie. Oh, for sure. Some like good. Good, I'm thinking like of like French camembert sausage. cheese and stuff mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, also, someone uh, somewhere I read it said chicken and mole sauce. Because you know mole really? sauce is like got those coffee flavors and like yeah. Oh, that's you're, I, you're not looking so happy mm-mm. about that. I <laughs> don't like mole sauce. Mm. No, there's a. I know mole sauces can have like upwards. There's like a million different kinds though. Well, but they have, that's because they have upwards of like 20 or 30 different ingredients. Like I used to work at this restaurant that had, (coughs) excuse me, their own homemade mole sauce. And I remember asking what was in it. First of all, there's typically like peanuts or some sort of nut. There's chocolate. There's, you know, a lot of different tomatoes, different peppers, different, there's just so much stuff that goes into it. I find that mole sauce has more of a biting flavor and it's not to me like something that's really palatable. Like I find it very challenging to eat. <laughs> like to me, I'm just like, Jamie's I, got opinions. It's so, I actually, I didn't realize that I'm the sorry. mole sauce was like a huge no, 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 I don't. Damn. I definitely don't. I'll never sorry. make it. <laughs> not that I ever would. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you not doing that on my account. I know, but it's not like I ever would be like, oh, I'm going to make a mole sauce with 30 different Have you had ingredients. it? Like once or twice, maybe. I I don't know what it... Maybe... And the, your point about how there's so many different kinds, maybe I just need to try another one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not... I mean, I, I don't think I like loved it, and I don't think I hated it. I think as I was just like yeah. okay about it. As my nieces tell me, try it. You might like it. But that's because that's what we tell them, so they like... Repeat. Yeah, exactly. Well, try it. So you might like it. If you it. do like mole sauce, then maybe <laughs> maybe you want to try it. Yeah, yeah. But I, you could try it then. But maybe, maybe you just want some <laughs> steak or something. So, <laughs> of course, why would you not? Um, the winemakers for Michael David Winery actually say to pair the petite petite with a juicy prime rib, which is probably like. The most ideal steak that you can get. Do you think so? Uh, I think a fillet is. I was gonna, uh, no, no, fillets are lean. Oh, I thought for me, I like fillets. The oh, most. I love no, I love fillets. Don't get me oh, wrong. You mean the most fatty? I mean the most fatty. Like if you're oh, talking, so yeah. prime rib, I think is tends to be fatty, and then mm. ribeye, like that mm-hmm. shit. You want the marbled ribeye, right? Yeah, I'm not into it. Fat. I'm not either personally, but I'm sure. That if anyone really likes ribeye, like this is like a wine you should definitely put on your list to try. This is not the first Michael David Winery wine that we've had, but I find it interesting to talk a little bit about, and I think it might be a good segue into our topic, to talk about um, the winery itself. You know, I mentioned that these are two brothers that are, uh, started this, 
Um, they raised their families in the vineyard. And now it's Michael and David's kids, or I guess maybe Mike's kids, Michael's kids, who are sort of paving the way for the, for the winery, for the next generation. What do you think about having, I'm, I'm always intrigued by learning about different wineries that keep it in the family. Yeah. Right. Um, I like it, you know, I mean, I guess the only caveat to it is, is you better hope you have some kids and you better hope that your kids, (laughs) you better hope that your kids like, like Like wine. Yeah. You don't want, I wouldn't want to force my kids to do something that they, that's a, that's a valid point. Didn't want to do. So like, or at least one of them would want to do it if you had more than one. Crushed fingers. So I'm saying, like, if you only had one kid and they hated wine, well, then I think you're shit out of luck, dude. <laughs> you got to find you someone else to bequeath this to. You better get a nephew or a niece or something. Before, like, take them under your wing. Like, yeah. Be like, you're my favorite. Yeah. And just, like, carry on like that. Yeah. No, that'd be good. Because otherwise, I mean, shit. What's going to happen? What do you do? Well, but then you have to sell it to somebody. But so... No, or you just die, and then like someone else has to deal with it. I mean, maybe they'll great make a great fucking wine, though. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's really cool to keep it in the family. I, I love too. it. We learned in like some of those movies, like some or like you're in Burgundy, like some of those wineries have been in families for. Yeah, but see, like decades. there, it's no choice. Generation, I yeah, that's true. Like that, there, it's like. This is your you have to. You have to. Like, You're bred your, into it. Yeah. In America, people are like, Shh, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do it. Listen, you know? if my parents had a winery, there oh, is no I'd be way. Oh, i that shit. <laughs> I'd be like, jackpot. Sarah and I would be like battling wineries. Yeah. No. But really, we'd be supportive of each exactly. other. Exactly. We would. We would. We would. We would. We'd be very supportive of each other. So, um, uh, well, Something that they said on their website was, we, this is the family speaking, uh-huh. we more than most understand the importance of leaving it better than you found it for future generations. Okay. Our family legacy and love for Lodi drive our focus on sustainability. <laughs> sustainability? Sustainability. Thank you. Uh-huh. But I think that that actually speaks volumes about the winery itself because not only are they trying to create something that is, you know, can be carried on by their their children mm-hmm. or by their family, you know, moving forward and help shape the, yeah. the future of the wine. But the whole concept of sustainability, I think is important because there are a lot of decisions that, you know, wine makers can make that are maybe to meet like a more immediate need, but not really fully flushing out or thinking about like the future. Yeah. And so to me that like, they might not jump on like, you know, this like awesome opportunity that presents itself because that's not really the direction they're going or that's, they, they really want to make sure that this is a long-term thing. It's not like a jump on it. Like we just talked about in our sideways yeah, where everyone jumps on the Merlot thing and then they end up pulling up all of their vines. Like what? You just wasted a ton of money, a ton of time, and you could have been doing something else that would mm-hmm. last you longer and really be more profitable for you in the end. So, I mean, I commend uh, this, the, the Phillips family, the Michael David Winery, uh, you know, for sort of thinking about the bigger picture yeah. and carrying on that way. And I mean, <clears throat> in America, to have a winery that's been cultivating wine since the 18, well, early 20th century, yeah, cultivating the soil since the 1850s, I mean, that's remarkable because 
I mean, we went through Prohibition. And I'm very curious to find out, like, what they did during Prohibition. I don't know. I was, re- I mean, I was reading another book. I've been reading a lot of wine books. There's some people who just made grape juice. There are some people who also did bootleg stuff. And there are yeah. other people who then tore up some of their vineyards and made wine out of, like, mission grapes, like, for, like, um, churches and things like that. Because mm-hmm. that was the only legal wine that you could make yeah. back then. Yeah. God, I'm so glad I didn't live through that. I know, right? Thank goodness. That would have been awful. Thank goodness we became the of Zorn age. Winery would have been trying to go full oh, force. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so legging extraordinaire. <laughs> um, but yeah, so keeping it in the family. So let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about family. Yeah, you got a big family. I have a big family. You got a sizable family. I have a lot of cousins and second cousins. And and your cousins are all over the freaking planet. They are all planet. over the place. <laughs> they are in England, in Canada, in California, in Germany. I have one cousin that lives in Malaysia. What? Yeah, they're all over. Yeah, wow. And it's funny because when I was growing up, I was just like, my entire family lives within 40 minutes of each other. <laughs> See, you know what would happen if my entire family lives within 40 minutes of each other? What? We would be all up in each other's business. It would be like, it would be like, I mean, it'd be chaos. I'm just saying. No, well, granted. It would be a lot of fun. It'd be like a big party all the time. But I mean, I feel like, like you probably got together no a lot boundaries. more when we were younger. Because I had a bunch of cousins around my age, like get plus or minus like maybe a yeah. few years. And actually, my sister and I, for a very long time on both sides of my family, were the absolute youngest. So it was nice because for like eight years on one side, I was the baby. Yes. And then on my mom's side, I was the baby for 11 years. See, I was the youngest on my dad's side, besides my siblings. And yeah. And the oldest on my mom's side. No, we, we're, we're self-admittedly crazy. <laughs> I think that my family would probably jump into that categorization you can I ask think my husband would. <laughs> he's like why does no one sleep why is everyone super loud <laughs> like the loud what's going on <laughs> the loud thing is that I feel like you know what I used to think that it was just like a, a my family thing I think it's like an every family thing it's like when everyone gets together it's just like mass chaos everyone's like the excitement the you know I'm assuming that most people get together on holidays mm-hmm. and so it's just like there's like adrenaline, like pumping through. Them. Yeah, I get extra excited about things. Yeah, I don't know. There is a lot of loudness. So, do you have any fun family stories? I mean, of craziness or circus craziness, C- family circus type behavior. I had on my dad's side. There were probably five of us who used to hang out like a lot, like my brother and my sister and I, and then uh, two of my cousins. And every time we would go to my grandparents' house, like, we just, like, barricade ourselves in the basement. Okay. <laughs> and we would create some unique world, like, some special world. Like, I'm not even kidding you. My brother used to draw maps, and we would create this, like, magical existence. And then we'd, like, battle each other, and it'd be that climbing all over my, mom, my grandparents' basement. And then, wait, get this. This is all while listening to, like, um, Harry Belafonte, um the banana the banana boat song the banana okay. song um telling me telling me bananas daylight come oh yeah i come. remember that 
Yeah, uh, we had a record player in the basement, so we used to rack out to some interesting records as well while we were playing our little magical mystery game. It was a lot of fun. And it's funny because like we did that, it wasn't even just like our family we did that with, we did that with like other family friends and I don't know why, but that like definitely took off. I mean, kudos to my brother for being like That's super creative cool, in that man. shit and like basically ringing everyone into it. But yeah, it was fun. So what do you think about when you merge two different family dynamics? Because I feel like family dynamics, everyone has their own normal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But oh, not, totally. not everyone's normal is normal to the other, another family or another person. Yeah. So like, what do you think happens when you merge? Like, how have you seen that? Like when you merge these, like either a marriage or you know a remarriage with kids like a divorced parents yeah, and then, oh yeah you know or you know just like the normal in-laws and whatever like wedding coming together what do you what do you what are your thoughts so it's interesting because I think that on both my side and on Sean's side like we have sort of every, every most things I'd say not everything is like the same but it's funny we have divorce we have like younger kids we have older kids we have cousins who have had kids like very young on you know somewhat on both sides um and so there's like the introduction of that listen whenever there's a baby that's born it doesn't matter what the circumstances or who who the hell had the baby like everyone is like beyond excited and it's like so it's so nice to be a part of that because i feel like everybody might have like stupid shit happening like at home or whatever but like I don't know what it is. Well, yes, I do as babies, and they're just, like, adorable, and you just want to, like, smush their cheeks. <laughs> Merging for me, it was different. I mean, I've known Sean for a long time, so I've been going to his family things for a really long time. And so I have, throughout so many years, throughout, like, a decade, mm-hmm. I was very, I was pretty young, pretty naive, and probably knowing who I was, at least around, like, Sean's immediate family. Like, for several years, I was, like, very shy. I just felt very young and unintelligent. And then I decided, I don't even know what the point was, but it was like, you know what? People are going to like me for me and I I'm just going to I'm just going to be me and I'm going to see how this goes and it worked out. It worked out so well. Yeah. I like I actually think like melding myself with with his family was pretty smooth actually. And I think Sean melding with mine was also well, it was a little weird when he took me to my first dance and my dad wanted to... All right. Okay. I'm gonna... I love that this is a thing because I'm like... This yeah. might this might date me back to, you know, back... We're going back a little bit to the Millennial Gap episode, episode three, people. So there was this movie called Uncle Buck. It's John Candy's Uncle Buck. So Uncle Buck does not like this dude. He somehow has to babysit like his niece, nieces and nephew. And he does not like this guy that his oldest niece is dating. And she's, like, in high school, and she's, like, this, like, asshole of a kid. Like, she's literally the worst. Every, right. You just kind of want to punch her. And so she's just making his life difficult, like, just because she can. Mm-hmm. And so he actually takes this, her boyfriend out to his car and shows him, like, a chainsaw or, like, an axe or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you don't bring her home in the same way that she left, I will come find you. So let's fast forward probably 15, 20 years, maybe. Sean's taking me to my homecoming dance. 
uh, in high school. And he, my dad actually told me that he, this is no joke, human beings. He wanted to answer the door with a shotgun in his hand because he wanted to have a conversation similar to Uncle Buck with Sean. And I was like, if you answer that door with a shotgun, and he had friends over, like family friends over, and they were all like, yeah, Dave, go do it. Like really excited about it. And I was like, if you do that, I will never talk to you again for the rest of my life. This is not a joke. Do not do it. Thank God he didn't do it. Sean's dad walked up with a video camera right behind him. Oh my God, that would have been hilarious. I told Sean later that night and he goes, why did you tell him not to do it? And I was like, I mean, we barely knew each other. Like, this is ridiculous. That would be hilarious. Anyway, I mean, that's like, that's my dad for you. He thinks these things are funny and maybe they are funny, but I just like get a little too nervous about it. I don't know. It still like makes me like cringe like thinking about it, but it was still, it would have been amazing. It would have been really fucking funny. Um, what about you? Have you ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding? I have seen the first one. Okay. I feel like that's my family. And then Ian, You got wind ducks everywhere or what? No. That like Batman was my grandfather. <laughs> oh, I and know then that. like Ian, the the husband that's coming in is like Adam. What's his name? Wasn't his name Ian? Maybe. Oh, Ian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Adam's not like a vegetarian or anything, but it's like... Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, no, but it's hilarious because like my family is just like loud all over the place. Everyone's in each other's business. It's like chaos. And I'm not even insulting anyone because if any of my family's listening, they're nodding right now. <laughs> they're like, mm-hmm. They're like, yep, yep. That's true. Yep. That's true. That's what's happening. Yep. So... So, yeah, it's funny because, like, <clears throat> you know, Adam comes from, like, a, a German background. And so mm-hmm. they're very, like, on time. And, like, <laughs> did I tell you about our, our the brunch after our wedding? No. <laughs> okay. So the brunch after our wedding, um, Adam and I show up a few minutes late, whatever. Show up? Like, up. A few minutes late. And his entire family is, like... Waiting outside. Like, they are, like, on time. The whole family. And everyone's like, what? Where's your family? And I'm like, are you guys serious right now? I'm like, they're not coming. You won't see one person for another 15 minutes at least. I was going to say, are they an hour? Is that the fashion we Uh, It's about 30 minutes to an hour, yeah. But, I mean, for something like this, 15 to 30 minutes. And I'm like, just give it a minute. They'll... So, of course... (laughs) Just sit tight. The... His family is like done eating and my family starts like rolling in and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you guys, like that's just how this works. Oh, wow. Like that's, you know, and like everyone's almost done. And so like that's, so uh, yeah, we okay. have like, in my family, so it's like an open door thing, right? So like yeah. people just roll in, stay however you want, long you want, you know, my husband's not like that. Like he, he's like, oh, it's. Yes, everyone shows up on time, and then it's like 10.30, okay, everyone should go to bed now. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not how this... So, like, the first... How you... late do your family parties oh, go? Oh, late. Like, how late? Like, I'm at... 1, 2 a.m. Dude. M- more longer than that at times, but, like... One time I fell asleep in the middle of my living room floor yeah. on Christmas, and my family was all sitting in... Extended family. All sitting in chairs around me. I was like, I'm so sick right now. Like, I'm just going to lay down. I literally just passed out in the center yeah, of Yeah, so... And it was like 11 o'clock. That's and I was the like, story I was getting into. So Adam, what is when this? he first started coming around my family... Yeah. 
he's like, you know, we'd have a huge meal. And then everyone's like, like, it's not like we're drinking, we're talking or whatever. All of it. All of it, right? All of it. And it's like 10, 30, 11. And he's like, um, so (laughs) can I go to sleep? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) We just stay up and hang out yeah. and see each other because it's you know the truth is is that we're not always all together and so like we just make the most of the time and it's totally. fun but more so than that we're just all a little bit crazy so when I took him to <laughs> I took him to England to see my family and we were there last Easter and I have a huge extended family in England. how many people were there was it just the England side of the family yeah, yeah. Then, you guys just, and your mom went no, my mom wasn't with us. It okay. was just us. And it was my mom's side. Because I have my Got dad's it. side okay. there too. And so there was probably 20-ish people. Okay. Maybe 25. I Who knows? So. People you don't normally see though. No, but I mean. across the pond. Right, but I. I've, I mean. You talk to them. I know. I, they're like, yeah. It's like I see them. When I haven't seen them in a while, it's still like I saw them yesterday. Oh, totally. Kind of thing. Totally. So he goes out drinking with some of my cousin's husbands. Without you? Yeah. Guys, they just went out for a while. They, well, I didn't know they were drinking. They just went to the bar. <laughs> and then he comes back like drunk. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, I love them. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so then we we're supposed to go to Easter dinner. <laughs> After this? After. Oh, shit. After. And we're all at Easter dinner, and there's, like, literally three long tables of us. Like, it's crazy. So one of my second cousin's husbands, okay, okay, is, like, a middle-aged gentleman. And okay. And all the men were drunk, like, pretty drunk. Sure. And he comes up to Adam when he's got, like, a broken accent, and he's like... <laughs> Adam, I love you more than my own cousin. And he's like kissing him. And Adam's like, is it, who is this? I'm like, just go with it. Just go with it. Let him kiss you. Let him kiss you. It's okay. She loves take you. It. Just take, take it. it. And he's like, I don't even know who this is. And I'm like, you're related. It's fine. It's totally fine. Oh my God. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah. I feel like when you like bond with like the other, your other halves, like, family like it's like well they all were like testing him out and then when they oh, had sure. when he passed they're like okay he's cool when he passed did he get an a did I, he have to do a I book mean, report Sarah? I, I i think so but you know it's <laughs> anyways is it was it has been interesting i guess seeing like the different dynamics yeah and when you know his family's around my family for example his parents came to my brother's wedding and oh, yeah? my in-laws did. And it was, like, so loud for them. Like, they were, like, the music's so loud. Oh. Like, you know, and it's just, that's kind of the... And at our wedding at the end, they thought it was too loud, too. So... They're also, I mean, I'm just going to... I'm going to back them up for, like, five seconds. Because it's, like, at some point, I think your entire body just, like, hits a switch. Like, you know? Yeah. And you're just, like, okay... I'm, I'm, I'm done. Everything is just, it's just too much. It's yeah. like everything. Exactly. So I totally understand that. Yeah. Um, and weddings are a lot to, they're a lot to. Weddings do. bring out like all of it, right? They do. But you know, what's so funny. Like even for my wedding, I just, well, maybe I was just ignorant and unaware of it. Yeah. But I feel like everything went like pretty smoothly. I mean, for real. No, and I, I agree. Mine, mine for the most part did. 
Aside from my um, weird crashers yeah. where my cousin was like texting me the next day and she's like, you know, you had crashers? And I was like, yeah, I saw these two girls. And she's like, no, you had other ones. Oh, really? It's like, shit. I had a homeless guy try and crash my wedding what? and my uncle kicked him out. Oh, thank God. I did not witness yeah. that. It was we like might have been Whitney Houston. No, this Whitney was like Houston. before oh, my right. uncle kicked him out. Yeah. So well, well, good for your uncle. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Oh. But yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, I was reading this whole like chaos systems and what do they have in common with family dynamics? Chaos systems? Yeah. So there's like Tell me about this. <laughs> so there's a I guess there's this article that I was reading and they're saying that um, chaos, chaos, there's a chaos theory okay, and that has a lot in common with family dynamics and family systems um, because there's basically a creation of self-organizing like an implicate order mm. um, and the strongest energy fields emanate from a shared meaning of values and so there, that's a, like there's this theory called the strange attractor theory, and that's basically creating and sustaining the family culture. Well, so, I mean that makes a lot of sense because if you consider like even your extended family, I mean like your parents and their siblings were raised with, you know, certain values, and then mm-hmm. those values, at least to some extent, were most likely instilled in your cousins. Yeah. And so it's like maybe it's like maybe a game of telephone, right? Yeah. So it's like a little bit pared down, watered down, you know, like as like the generations go and like maybe new values are picked up, like new there's a new emphasis on certain characteristics and certain well, I would even venture to say mannerisms. That may I think that makes a lot of sense. So basically So there's like a little bit of order within the chaos. Well yeah. So like there's these three val there's three values and they fit together. So you've got like um Values around control, and you have de- developmental values, and they form relational values. So I know this isn't making a lot of sense, but basically you have a culture of, like, everyone has, like, a family culture, right? Yes. And what it is, is you have the individuals um, that are attracted to certain values at a greater level than their individualistic values. So that's what's unique to the family are these greater level values because individuals can like kind of argue on like a basic level. Yeah. I've heard some family arguments. Yes. Uh, but if you have like a, a good fit, like a, those basic family cultures or family businesses, then when it comes to these large critical decisions within the system, the collective values are what people hang on to. Hmm. <sighs> that's my best way of trying to, <laughs> Trying to give it a two-minute elevator pitch. Yes. Um, So, like, if there is conflict between members in the family, then there's pressure put on the entire system to adjust the culture or reinforce the family business. So, like, the family culture. So, if you think about it, like, if, like, cousin A and aunt C are, like, arguing, like, the whole family, if you are in this type of family, is going to try and make it work. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> Sarah's describing this so well, and I'm just like... I don't know if I am. I'm no, sure. I think that you are, and I understand exactly what you're saying. I would I would beg to differ, though. I mean, like, at least from, like, my perspective. Like, when there are two family members who argue, and I'm just going to... I'm going to go right out there and say, if there is a... Like, there is never... A family function 
immediate or extended or otherwise mm-hmm. that I've been to where there's not an argument. There's always some sort of an argument. But is it serious? Some of it gets pretty... Some of it can get real freaking heated. Okay. okay? Um, but, but maybe that's part of your family culture is arguing. Um, I mean, I would... I'd have to say that it is only because it like the way that the way the way that it's dealt with is simply you just let them go. It's like everyone else is like party to it, but they are sort of on the periphery of it of it, and they mm. don't really they don't interject. It's just sort of a everyone's seeing witnessing everything and taking it. You know, just sort of. I'm gonna step back. Yeah, but see, everyone does the same thing, right? They but it's not back. like there. It's not like there's a, an interception to try to um, find a resolution between the two. It's sort of the decision is to collectively let those. But that's the family culture decision because that's what your greater culture in your family is. Oh, is to, to let, let people kind of like let hash, it hash it out. out. Oh, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? All right, like everyone agrees. Like, okay, we're not going to say anything because that's oh, okay. like... Okay, okay. I like, thought you were saying that it was like everyone else in the family is going to try to find, create that harmony again, if you will. But maybe the By way of doing that is for your culture to just let it. Yeah. And again, I mean, this is stuff that like it happens at... I, I want to say there is an argument between at least two people at least at every single family function. Yeah. It could be small. It could be big. It could be... Okay. Whatever. This might make more sense to you. Okay, tell me. So there's a definition tell here. Us. Of the yes, goal please. of a chaos system is to achieve some level of predictive understanding without relying on established, casual, and deterministic expectations and models. Because it, because it is unpredictably chaotic that triggers reactions that are not connected to an original event, you have to aim towards a level of predictive understanding as close to stasis as one might get within the system. So it's like, okay, I'm sorry. Put your teacher hat on, girl. We haven't drank enough wine for this. Um, (laughs) No, I think I've drank too much wine. So basically, it's just, (laughs) it's it's saying that you want some level of predictive understanding without like completely relying on an expectation. So like your family understands that. This is how it's got to be. This is how it's it's going to be. We're going to like let it. Let them hash it out. We're going to do our thing. We're going to roll it off. Whereas, if an outsider like me is standing there and watching these two people fight, I might be like, is anyone going to, is, is anyone going to step in? Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> is anyone, is anyone going to step in? Like, we've, we've, like, someone say something, you know? Seriously. Whereas everyone would be like, like, in your family would be like, don't say a word, man. Like, you just. We'll just all be here. just all I am. You know. Witnesses? No, I'm kidding. But but seriously, actually, that I mean, that makes sense. You know, it's a you understand what needs to happen, and it's I mean, and maybe by having the family not just like walk away and letting two people individually like hash the shit out, like just the two of them, like it still provides that sort of supportive culture in nature. I mean, it's like we're all family. I I I personally cannot fathom anything happening between me and my siblings that would like preclude us from like actually being friends with each other in the future. Because for us, it's like, it's understood 
that like we stay when up the family's late. together. Yeah, no one kicks anyone. Like we just hang out till we hang out. If you want to grab like a pillow, you're cool to do that. Right. But that's like our understanding. That's your norm. That's, like, your that's norm. our norm, right? Mm-hmm. But then as you kind of go off and start your own family, then you create your own norms. And, and then you thing. also think about how you're going to meld like what comes from each side of the family, which is probably one of the most challenging things. It is hard because you want to take like the good things, leave maybe the stuff you're not so crazy about. Yeah. But like, but then it's hard because then you're like, you might love certain things that your counterpart doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, this is staying. Yeah. And then they're like, absolutely not. Like, well, get the shit out. Like something small. So my husband's family calls their family room the den. And I'm like, the first few times I was hanging out there, I was like, they're like, oh, we're going to go hang out in like the a den. Bear's den. And I'm like, the office? Like, Because oh. <laughs> like, I'm Wait. in den with office. Well, because we were just looking at houses too. And like, when you look at houses, it's like office slash den. Yeah. Yeah. But the den is the, for them, the family room. Like, that's the family room. That's the TV with the couches where you guys all hang out. It's the do they have room. something else called the living room? Or do they call something else the family room? I don't know. But they I mean, that's their, that's their norm. That's the den is the family room. And we're like, for me, I think the den is the office. Yeah. You know, but like, those are just like the small things where you're like, huh, okay. It's not, it's not bad. It's just different. Right. It's just like in a different, it's a different norm. It's yeah. a different, you know? Yeah. You know, and whereas, yeah, I mean like, like family room, isn't it? Isn't that what that is? I mean, we call I, it family room. Yeah. My, maybe my family calls it the family room. I'm not sure what Sean's parents call theirs. But see, it's like, yeah. And like I think different... it's a family room. Hmm. Now I have to think about <laughs> But regardless, I mean, you're right. It can be something like small and it's like seemingly like, you know, insignificant situation. But there are also like more significant areas where, you know, you got to take the, the circus and figure out how to rein it in, how to let it, you know... Let it go and let it like reach its glory. Yeah. Um, and what you're gonna do and and what practices you're gonna adopt. Well, I think at least for us, our core values are the same. We might have a little different, a lot of different cultural, small things, but the core is the same, and that yeah. is that family is important. Oh, for sure. Like the family meal is important. You know, like just being together and supporting one another and all, like. Keeping, you know, the generations and your culture alive. Like for yeah. us, I think those both of those core things are are there. It's it's the smaller things where it's like if you tell them six PM, they're gonna show up at seven. <laughs> we have the same thing. And I'm like We have literally the if same I thing. If I tell them six PM, I better be ready for people to come over at five forty five. Uh maybe five PM. Maybe We're five like, PM. My family, it's like, oh, it's six. I got half an hour. We're good. This is the thing. It's like, like, well, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel the same way. I, I think that on both sides, like, typically, like, when you have a start time, it's usually looked at as, like, a suggested time. Yeah. But not, like, a legit time. Oh, no. Although I have, I mean, on both of my sides, like, I, I personally know that that's, you are there at that time, and there is no exception. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, it's fun. It's we would call my family. uncle at Christmas and it'd be like, Christmas dinner is supposed to start at five and he hasn't shown up. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, like mowing my lawn. Or now it's too cold. Or he'd be like shoveling or whatever. He'd be, he'd be like doing something. And I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to be here. It's like, 
I think. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 we're coming. We're coming. Don't wait for us. Don't wait up. Yeah. They'll come at like 9 p.m. You know, you asked that question before about fun things that you used to do. And I remember when I was younger, and I think this would be hilarious to bring back, to be honest. Maybe now that we have more little ones, it'd be better. But we used to have like dance parties. Specifically. Oh, so fun. To Grease Lightning. I was going to say to Whitney. Oh, no. No, probably not. It was a lot. We did a lot. Do we have a dance party now to Whitney? Oh. Like not, it doesn't have to be at this moment, oh. but I feel like <laughs> I feel like we should have a get together with our friends and dance party it up to Whitney Houston. Just so you know, I was just at a wedding and they played Whitney, and I was in the middle of a conversation with people, and you just stopped. And no, left. no, no. Hang on a second. This is amazing. So I'm sitting there talking to my friends, and someone was telling me something like important, and I heard her come on. It was it was our song, Sarah and I. Our had a song? song. I want to dance with somebody, and so, but they also played. Uh, I get so emotional. Oh no no no. I gotta think of the other song. Anyway, so I'm talking to my friends, and all of a sudden I hear Whitney come in. I was just like, internally, my body was like going crazy. I was like, oh my god, I'm like, I need to go dance. And then I was like, uh-huh. Like, you know, still participating in the conversation, still fully aware. And I was like, Jamie, like But you're like, Whitney's on, bitch. I gotta go. Wait. Sean actually taps me on the shoulder and he leans in and he goes, Whitney Houston is on. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I know, but I'm dying. I literally, I was like. And I just turned back to my friends and was like, now's not the time. <laughs> and so I I just continued talking. But it was like so funny because Sean knows that that's like my norm. Like if Whitney Houston comes on, like stop everything. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, that's what happens. But no, we used to do Grease. Mm. And in fact, I told you I was the baby for a long, long time. And then my cousin was born. And he, when he was like two or three years old, he used to dance grease lightning with us and like it was the funniest thing I mean we would literally my cousins and I we'd make the entire family just stop what they were doing sit down around the couch in the family room and we would put on a performance <laughs> like I that stuff is like so I feel like that's so important I would yeah. secretly love to do that although now it's on a podcast so it's not so secret but I would really you know I like to sing so like I would just we can make that, that happen shit. Jamie Grease lightning, all of it. Grease, Whitney, Whitney. dance party. Wine. Yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're do, gonna it. do it. We're gonna create our own family circus and our yeah. own family norms. So. so, but anyways, so yeah, family circus. I like this wine. It's a great cartoon, by the way. Good. Yes, it is a great cartoon. If those of you who are not familiar with Family Circus cartoon, because they don't publish Family Circus, it used to only be on Sundays in newspapers. I don't know who gets newspapers anymore, but regardless, Family Circus is a great cartoon. It and is. Family Circus is the theme of our episode. Yep. So can I can I close with um yes. the the winemaker's description of the wine? Yes. Okay. Like elephants whose size is imposing, petite <laughs> petite is large, offering a joyous explosion of color and fun. It is substantial, dense, full-bodied, whopper style of wine. Loaded with pure black fruit and vanilla flavors that coat the palate. It reveals remarkable richness with a finish that is slightly dry and seems to linger. I think that's great. a nice description. I've never heard a wine described as a whopper. I have not either, but I actually, it is a it is a big, bold wine. But at the same time, as I said, you know, even early on, like after it wasn't opened, 
um, it's still like pretty smooth. Like I think it like overall is just it's a solid uh it's a solid one yeah, choice. Well they've for been sure. doing it for a while, they've got this big family. It's been doing it for 150 years, so oh my god! I'm sure they've got some family circus times. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the inspiration for this label, for sure. I think that we will. Oh, hang on. So there. Oh shit. Oh my god. Okay, wait. <laughs> There's two more things on the back of the label. Step right up, come and see the greatest duo in history: Petite Sarah, Petite Verdot, Pachyderm Brothers, stars of the show. One can dance and one can sing. Both do juggle fiery rings. One can dribble, one can dunk. Both do brag of very large trunks. So step right up to center stage and prepare yourself to be amazed. Ooh. Oh, that's I just noticed that. Well, I love that. we're going to have to have our family circuses because I actually think that like the Shrine Circus is like done. Yeah, forever. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. So... So anyways, have the circus at home. Have a circus at home by itself or with food. I yeah. pair it. The petite petite. I think it'd be I think it would be a good pairing with food. I you. think so too, but I'm actually really I'm enjoying it. it. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. On its own as well. So yeah. Well, on yeah. that note, thank you so much for joining us in our uh, family charades. And we hope that you test out the petite petite. Do it! Until next time, our DVP listeners. Circus it up. Circus it up and keep passing the wine, bitches. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dvpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers Cheers from from the girls of DVP. DVP.